As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech Athletics Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? Just enjoying the 2 0 vibes. In the last two conference games. How are you? I thought you were going to talk about the 2-0 and vibes that the Texas Rangers are enjoying in the ALDS. The, the currently undefeated Texas Rangers in the... 2020 in the playoffs, playoffs, correct? Playoffs. Mm-hmm. They are 4-0, looking to be 5-0 tonight. They have a 7-1 lead, bottom of the eighth, one out. Uh, Jonah Heim very nearly hit himself a home run to extend the lead. At the wall. So, this is officially when I start paying attention to Rangers baseball. So it's, <laughs> it's been kind of a drought for me for a little bit. Well, it's been a, a drought because Bally sucks, and we've only been able to watch the past four games because they've been on Fox. And I know I didn't get to see I didn't get to see the Spurs debut last night. Of course, they lost, but Wimby had a pretty good little showing there. Thanks, Bally, but it's preseason, so it's it's preseason. Why am I worried about watching preseason basketball? This is different. This is new to me. <laughs> I, I had somebody. I don't know t- what to do with my hands. Somebody today asked me, "Hey, when is baseball starting?" I was like, it's still going. <laughs> I'm like, no, I know, but like in, in the in the in the spring, when does it start? I was like, well, college starts middle to end ish of February. Majors will start end of March, beginning of April, and we'll go until the middle end of October. So there are so many games. It's like, it's fantastic. I know. (laughs) Are you sure this wasn't me you were talking to? No, I was talking to this girl I work with. We were volunteering at United. We read, we're putting together little bags for the students, uh, which is great. If you're uh, in the Lubbock area, still volunteer with United way. If that's something that floats your boat. No free ads, except for charitable <laughs> causes. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think we would expect no, compensation from the United Way. <laughs> uh, of the 23 community organizations they support, 23 personnel is not one of them, but that's okay. <laughs> it does align. They, they do support 23, but to add us would be 24, then it wouldn't really work. And We should really get into that Dr. Pepper money, too. Yeah. Because they have 23 flavors. Mm-hmm. If, only, if only we knew somebody that worked at a Keurig. Which is interesting that they are the... Anyways. Uh, we are going to put a quick wrap on Baylor. There's really not much else to say besides everything you did basically worked out. I don't want to nitpick the defense uh, when you win by 25 points. Um and then we'll, we'll turn and focus on, on Kansas State this weekend. Already uh, fielding questions for 
uh, Wildcats, where they need to hit up once they hit Lubbock. I'll tell you what I told them. Uh, you let me know, Michael, if you disagree. Um, then we'll, of course, look around the rest of the Big 12, as we do. Uh, there may be even a little bit of basketball talk today. We'll see. We'll see how much the, the Rangers will let us focus on that because, like I said, currently on one of my device screens over here, I've got three going right now, uh, bottom of the eighth still. So, Yeah, I just realized I don't have it on, so what am I doing? What, what am I doing? even doing? Well, probably saving some of your streaming bandwidth. I'm, I, I feel like I'm struggling a little bit over here. Well, I can get this over the air so that's where i'm headed ah i'm in my extremely overpriced hulu live package right now <laughs> oh hey price is going up this month i know hold on to your butts that and espn and uh disney plus oh and we our, actually dropped and our verizon phone plan went up too it's like this is fantastic oh, every 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 place that you could Oh, also Geico. Every little place oh, yeah. that can needle me for an extra 10, 15 bucks a month. Although Geico. Our home, and, uh, our home and car insurance just skyrocketed this year. It was insane. I've been with Geico, I can't remember how many years, so many. Uh, but I did the math and I was, I was griping at one of the agents. Like, well, inflation. I was like, inflation, my ass. I told I was like. It's not, it's not 35% inflation, bucko. Like 40%? No. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not on well, my that's how much, You know, that's crazy. That's a, that's exactly what my homeowners and uh, auto insurance went up. It was like 35 to 40%. Yeah. I got letters from my mortgage people like, hey, you've got you've to figure out this whole um, escrow situation, man. That, I know. that was a big chunk. We were not expecting this. <laughs> We did that too. And of Sorry. course we're, we're just in the, the first year where it's, it's adjusting with like the, like our first year of payments, the land valuation was just for the land and not for the land and oh, house. Yeah. So then yeah. once that gets added on, our taxes will go up and then our escrow is going to be short. I'm trying to figure it out. I was like, well, I lump some paid the difference up front to keep my payment the way it was. And then my payment still went up. I was like, what are you guys doing? I've already paid you. Knock it off. Anyways, that's that's, that's sorry. I, I derailed this. We should probably talk about football or something. Oh, we should get down. Not in the glove. Dang it. All right. Uh, going to the ninth. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Baylor. Let's talk about how Texas Tech um, committed to a game plan. Michael had some, uh, as Kyle said, grown man drives uh, at pivotal points in the game. And, uh, absolutely just controlled the game. Yep. Um, it started with the very first drive of the game. Let's, let's be honest. When, when Texas tech came out with the ball, um, I don't love taking the ball first, but you know, it is what it is. Well, I think it was, what was it? I think Baylor won the toss. Right. If I remember right. No. And, and but they did, yeah, I don't know. Taking it first on the road kind of makes sense, but but yeah, that's backfired us on on us so many times. Yeah. Um, but the drive, I just, I just want to read you the plays. I don't, I don't know if you hear the baby; she's losing her mind back there, but she's gonna be all right. Samantha's got her. <laughs> just 
disregard the screaming baby in the background. Um, Brooks handoff five yards, Brooks handoff 18 yards, Brooks handoff two yards. Uh, Baron Morton throws to Brooks for four yards. Uh, Baron Morton throw to Miles Price. Brooks run for 16 yards. Brooks run uh, for five yards. He gets a break. Valdez run for six yards. Valdez run for three yards. Incomplete pass, touchdown. Yeah, that was that was 11 plays, 75 yards, five minutes, 14 seconds. And of the only... Just- Grown man football. The only air quotes negative play was an incomplete pass. Right. The snap before the touchdown. <laughs> that was just to throw him off. Yeah. You were just like, oh, well, now that you've seen us throw to uh, our fourth string tight end, what we're going to go ahead and stop jacking around, throw to our outside receiver. Yeah. Not that you're not, I'm not saying that because York's bad. He had the first touchdown of the season. He's, huge he, he's, he's flashing especially for you know a young guy in this this new role or not new role but in the role of tight end in, in this offense um then to respond um baylor goes uh pass so the, their first play blake shaven pass minus two yards uh and they get a first down on the next play, they picked up 13. Uh, another first down pass for 14 yards. Then Richard Reese run for one yard. Richard Reese run for two yards. Uh, and pass for six. Fourth and one. They throw incomplete. Texas Tech takes over. That's basically, both of those drives summed up the game. Mm-hmm. The rest of the game was a an extended version of both of those drives. Yep. Um, Bailey was able to, they weren't able to string together plays into drives. Uh, they scored on a 71 yard play because Monterey Baldwin is a freak athlete. And there was some kind of mishap on defensive coverage. And then Demerson uh, rabbit undercut the, the route just a little too much. Um, on the back end, again, like I, I, I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody here. Um, it happens. Um, but yeah, essentially, um, Baylor can't put together drives. They are one of six on fourth down. Texas Tech responds in meaningful situations with grown ass football, complimentary football, um, and just salts the game away. Like mm-hmm. from the opening kick, it was bully ball. Um, you did whatever the heck you wanted on the ground, which is demoralizing. Teams have done that to tech for many years, and you're just like, can't stop it. Uh, like, uh, you didn't do it to the, the the extent that Arkansas did it to you in, what was it, 2014? But it was the same concept, right? Like, we knew Alex Collins was getting the ball. We knew it. Everybody freaking knew it. It did not stop Brett Bielema from calling that same play. It did not slow him down at all. And he finished with what, like 200 something yards. Anyways, that same. I remember some, some Mac Brown teams doing that to us too. Just that 
we're just going to hand it off because we know you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Rangers um, win. Hey, man, I'm not there yet. <laughs> now it's two outs, 0-2. Leclerc is putting up on a show. Westberg, let's go, brother. It's about to be three outs, my friend. <laughs> Thanks for ruining it. Not so good. 27 outs. Who is, uh, who is short? Not short. It's uh, behind for me these days. Like my stream is always just seems to be slower. Oh, 98 miles per hour down the pipe and he misses. The whiff. Going to the ALCS. Hell yeah. Who are they going to play? Or has that been determined yet? It has not been determined. They have to face the winner of the Astros Twins series. Um, Astros took a 2-1 lead today. Same best Jerks. of five. So I would assume the Astros... Um, I mean, I'd, I'd be okay if uh, if the Twins want to stretch it out, take all five games to do it. Um, this is how big a baseball fan I am. So, is the next series is it still five games or is it seven? You know what? I don't know. Ah, I thought you would know. Uh, it's seven. It's two, three, two. Okay. So you get two home. So the higher seed will get two home games. Then the lower seed gets three home games and then back to the original site host for the last two. Okay. I think that's how they do NBA playoffs until the conference finals. I think. I think they, or was it the actual finals? Because then they switched to 2 2 1 1 1. Yeah. At some point. So yeah, my my baseball series home and away knowledge is thanks to being an NBA fan in the early 2000s, late 90s. Very helpful right now. Yeah. All right. So we talked we talked and the instant reaction Taj Brooks, it's a grown man. Um because of his success in early downs, you reduced your third down distance, your average distance to go on third down to just 5.3 yards. Um, you were 10 of 18 on third downs, one of two on fourth downs, where Baylor was something like three of 18 and one for six on fourth down. Sorry, they were four of 15. It's there in the notes, right in front of me. And then one of six on fourth down. Um, and then we talked about it, allowed only 0 0.6 yards per rush. Uh, that is including... The yeah the sacks, but I think yeah that's had, kind of a cherry picked stat. I know <laughs> that includes still, every single time a, a ball carrier, you know, carried the ball. But I think Baylor had, had like a net rush of like what forty two yards. Sounds that sounds reasonable. And I mean, it was probably close to two or just under two yards per per rushing attempt. If you take out the sacks, anyways, huge. Um, I, I predicted a 31-24 victory. Uh, I was closest of the two of us because Michael predicted Baylor. Thanks, Pink Crater. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Uh, setting us up to to finish up, we are 2-1 and one in conference play. Don't, don't forget that we have a winning record in conference play uh, despite the 500 overall record. 
Uh, but you need to go 500 over the rest of the six remaining six games. So halfway through the season, you're three and three. Um, you need to go three and three to hit six and six. Uh, I did find the spot where the uh, the remaining schedule is ranked most difficult to least difficult. Um, teams did shift a little bit. So your next easiest game as of today will be, you have a 75% chance to win this game, game 11, hosting UCF. Boy, has that team fallen. Now, that may take into consideration if you are facing a Jimmy McLean-led UCF and not a John Reese Plumley-led UCF. I still haven't paid enough attention to UCF to see if and when he's coming back. Uh, but then BYU, TCU, Kansas, Kansas State. Um, but even though Kansas State is your least, your second toughest game left, right now it is a still positive, at least on, on this website, uh, percentage for Texas Tech to win this one, 54.5%. The only game where you have a lower one, it's obviously Texas, and that's 13%. So quite a bit, uh, big drop off there. Uh, Kansas State, 54.5%. Kansas, 56.1%. And the jump, TCU, 62.9%. BYU 63.9 and then UCF 75.6. So yeah, opportunity starts with this weekend, Michael. It does. You're hosting the Kansas state Wildcats. They are 24th in the S and P plus Texas tech has clawed all their way, all the way back up to 26th. You jumped another six spots this week following your uh, your victory this weekend. Um, not unsuspected because you are moving up. Still the best three-loss team in the country. The next closest is TCU at 33rd and UCF at 34th. The game this weekend is on FS1, so if you want to see it, you probably need to be in the stadium. I think every I think four out of the five Big 12 games this weekend are, are on FS1 including the Thursday night game. That sucks. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, 6 p.m. though, you got a night kick. I did catch a little bit of Kansas State's press conference, their weekly press conference. They hold them on Tuesdays, whereas Texas Tech does them on Monday. Um, Kleiman was asked about the environment. He's like, yeah, they're, they're going to, it's going to be another night game. They're having a blackout or something. Um, so it's going to be, you know, they have to get, get ready for, for that kind of environment. I was listening to, uh, one of the Bosco's boys episodes, he does a daily show. So last night's episode was a Q and a session. They were talking about um, Kansas state struggling on the road. Now, granted they were coming off of a big loss uh, at Stillwater and Kleiman and Kansas state have been notoriously bad uh, at games after bye weeks. They're one in four. I heard that today in games mm-hmm. following a bye week. Um, they get an extra day. Uh, between that game and this one. So it's not a, you know, a true bye week because they, you know, aren't off for the week, but um, you had a little extra time, whatever they're doing hasn't really been working with extra time. Um, he was asked, uh, you know, if you watch any of the game that they had against um, Oklahoma state, will Howard threw three interceptions, Michael, and they were bad. 
they were bad interceptions. They were. It wasn't like it was a 50-50 ball or or whatever. Um, I jumped in the Discord as the game was going. I was like, he had money on, on, on Oklahoma State or something with how bad those throws were. Um, and then, you know, Kleiman said he was being, Will Howard was being overly aggressive uh, and then he's got to be more, uh, he's got to protect the ball better, make better decisions. Uh, Scott from Bosco's Boys basically said the same thing. Like everybody loves and applauds him, uh, Will Howard, when, when he's aggressive and the play works out. Um, but when it doesn't, it you know backfires stupendously um, with all these interceptions. And he's thrown one um, in each of the last few weeks. Um, they were yeah. He's thrown he's thrown at least one every game. He's had a uh, he's got seven on the year, but three of them came last week. It's not good, Bob. And then he had yeah. So he had one in each game before that. And I did go back, you know, not to be throwing stones in a glass house, all that kind of stuff. So Shuck had four. Morton has two so far. So Tech has six, but we don't have one quarterback with seven. No. And they came early. Yeah. And, you know, Kleiman went on to talk about, you mentioned the atmosphere in Lubbock. That was kind of in reference to, he thought some of the guys weren't ready for the atmosphere in Stillwater. So those of you listening, if you're coming to Lubbock or if you're going to be in the in the Jones on Saturday night, put on a show. But who knows? And we're they black. probably have figured it all out. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to go a little bit into that Oklahoma State game last week because I okay. feel like Kansas State has got to be absolutely kicking themselves, and I think they're right. I think they lost the game. I don't think Oklahoma State won it. They just lost. Oklahoma State scored one touchdown on offense, and it was on the opening on their opening drive. So they were held scoreless. They were held out of the end zone the entire rest of the game. the The rest of their twenty nine points came from a pick six, which of course is awful, and the timing of it was terrible. It was right before halftime. With like 40 seconds left. Howard threw a pick six. Uh, and then they were the rest of them were field goals. They had a kicker kick. He attempted six, but one of them was blocked. So Kansas State blocked a field goal. We've got to kind of keep an eye on that. But, you know, the, the, the timing of Howard's interceptions were just killer. I, I think his second one wasn't that bad, but the pick six right before half was awful. Uh, then they come out of halftime. They're driving in the red zone. It's fourth and eight, which is a pretty big play. I mean, it's fourth and eight, and it's on uh, Oklahoma State's 13. So they're, they're, it's not fourth and goal or anything. They've got to get to uh, you know the, the five-yard line or whatever. High snap. High snap on fourth and eight, and it goes back to like the 35 mm-hmm. turnover on downs. Um you know, just to have that kind of that kind of play by your defense, even on that on the third interception on on Kansas State's second to last drive, Howard threw the interception. There's 324 remaining, and you think, "Gosh, this is probably church." Well, no, because the Kansas State defense stepped up, forced a three and out. Kansas State got the ball back, but then on fourth and ten when they were unable to move the ball at all on that last drive, 
pass was batted down at the line of scrimmage. I mean, just so, so many bad things that if, if I were watching that as a Kansas state fan, we would have been extremely frustrated. Mm-hmm. There were probably, we probably would have been a lot of fire somebody tweets from the fan base. There would have been, uh, our inter- our instant reaction would have been extremely explicit. <laughs> Kansas State lost this game, so this worries me a little bit. Coming into this week, knowing that that's what happened, um, they, they tackled poorly. I remember one play in particular: Oklahoma State. They had a a playmaker. Five guys missed him. He, there, there were five tackles that got missed and, and he got down the field at least 50 something yards. Hmm. So I am, it worries me some, but it's also, well, maybe this is kind of showing some of, uh, some of what they, you know, are, are capable of on the bad side of things. I tend to, to, to think that Kansas State is not as bad as you saw this weekend. Oh, obviously, gosh, no. obviously yeah, the, that's where I'm at too. The, the three turnovers aren't going to help the three interceptions. Um, and maybe, maybe Oklahoma state is, is improving and starting to figure things out. Don't know. Don't care. Don't have to play them. Um, nope. but Kansas state, like it looked bad losing to, to Oklahoma state. And I know that they're kicking themselves. They're, they're probably not as bad as, as you would think had the game gone otherwise, but, um, offensively, uh, still impressive. The top 20 S and P plus offense, number 17, uh, the tech defense rose in 14 spots, uh, after last week went from 49th to 35th. Um, they're closing in. They're led on offense, obviously by Will Howard, the senior big dude, six, five, two forty, uh, completing 62% of his passes, 1200 yards, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. That number jumped up. Like we said last week, um, When he runs, he's he's uh, he's kept the ball thirty eight times for two hundred and sixty three uh, more yards, and has six rushing touchdowns. He leads the team in rushing touchdowns, so he has fifteen total. Uh, when they run the ball, not with Howard, uh, they're looking at DJ Giddens, who has who's been really good, <laughs> really good. Six one two twelve. He's a big dude. Eighty two carries, four hundred ninety nine yards. That is six point zero yards per carry, Ooh. four touchdowns. Um, you know who else carries yeah. the ball 6.0 yards per carry in this game, Michael? Taj Brooks. Oh, Taj time. Taj right? time. That's that's what we're supposed to say. Yeah, Taj though has quite a few more carries, and he's uh, he's already got 600 something yards. Why didn't I? Why did I think about having this up beforehand? Well, so just last week, you know, Giddens. He had 16 attempts for 70 yards. He averaged 4.1 yards per carry, which is, I mean, pretty darn respectable. Uh, Treshawn Ward came in. He had nine carries for 59 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. Howard was really effective with his feet. 10 carries for 112 yards. Now, one of those carries was for 70. So that will bump up your average quite a bit. But even as a team, including sacks and including everything, Last week they averaged 5.8 yards per carry, but Kleiman specifically mentioned that he was not very happy with running the ball and they need to be better. 
Well, they had well, that. You, you probably mentioned, I was looking down, reading this stat line for, for Brooks that Howard had that like 70 yard run. Yeah. So it may have been. Yeah, it was, it was 70. That definitely skews things. Yeah. But uh, he Brooks, was, he was not happy. Brooks has 114 carries, which, okay, this is interesting to me. He has 114 carries this season for 688 yards. You know how many carries and yards he had last season total, Michael? Hmm. 147 carries. So he's 33 carries shy of tying last year's total. 691 yards. He needs three more yards to pass last year's total. And even then, that was 4.7 yards per carry. Like, give Taj the ball. You are this year, and he's even better. 114 carries, 688 yards, 6.0 yards per carry, four touchdowns. The, the thing I, I do think... I sorry, saw. Go ahead. No, sorry. The thing I saw that I really liked, Michael. Taj is averaging seven yards per carry at home this season. Oh, that's a cool stat. Five and a half on the road, but seven at home. Even better. I, I would like to give a some credit to that offensive line because I don't think we've done that very much no. on the twenty three personnel podcast, which we probably should because. Pass protection has been an issue somewhat this year. We've we've acknowledged that. It seems like they've buttoned it up a little bit, but it you know, running the ball f- effectively can fix a lot of things. It and does. so the fact that they're able to do that when when Morton drops back to pass, he has time because they're not necessarily expecting it or you know, they have to honor the run. They just have to mm-hmm. be a little bit more proactive in their defensive scheme. They can't just count on doing it one way every time and, and having success. So this offensive line, yes, they've had some issues in pass protection particularly, but man, running the ball, there's no way Taj Brooks is running the ball this effectively or Valdez, especially how he was able to run against Houston. If these guys aren't up there blocking their tails off, including the tight ends, whether it's cup or Tharp out there. Yeah. Sorry, this is supposed to be the Kansas State offense preview, and we got side drill. Sorry, we just get excited. We got excited about our yeah. We love him. We love. We like running, running the ball. It's great. The other Kansas State uh, running back you should be aware of is the transfer Treshawn Ward, five ten one ninety five. He's got forty five carries on this season, so a little more than half of what Giddens has. Two hundred twenty three yards, four point nine yards per carry, and added two more touchdowns. Um, through the air, Michael. They are limited. They're pretty good. But, but no, I think they're pretty good, though. They pass it. They, I think they pass it almost more than Tech does. I know they average more yards per game. Okay. I don't know okay. if they have as many attempts per game. You're, you're, you're right. I, I, I was looking at they don't They don't have a guy, right? Um, their leading receiver uh, has 276 yards on the season. Um. Which for sure. five games is what sixty something yards a game. Yeah, they they spread it around, but it's, I mean, Brooks is. Everyone's going to make comparisons, so he's he's a Deuce Vaughn kind of guy. Yeah, he's five eight, super fast. And if it's not Brooks, it's their tight end Ben Sennett, six four two forty five. He's got twenty catches for two eighty six, um, three touchdowns. So 
Defensively, Texas Tech is allowing teams to throw for 244 yards per game uh, at 6.6 yards per attempt. Kansas State is throwing for 257 per game, 7.2 yards per attempt. Um, Kansas State is rushing for 203 yards at 5.3 yards per carry. Texas Tech is allowing one, 126 per game at 3.5 yards a carry. They are, Kansas State is because they're good at early downs. They are really good at third down. They convert 51% of their third downs, uh, whereas Texas Tech is allowing teams to, to convert 41. Uh, their offense is putting up 36 points per game. Texas Tech is allowing 23. So you got to figure some things we'll, we'll meet in the middle there, hopefully uh, bring some of those Kansas State numbers down um, because your offense isn't putting up 34 points. You're, you're, sorry, your offense is putting up 34 points per game, whereas theirs is putting up 36 Mm-hmm. So you'll need to bring their number down a little bit, but they're not very good on the road. Um, well, they are 70th best road team. So almost middle of the pack, whereas Texas Tech is the 31st best home team. Uh, so you would think that would, would, would play a factor a little bit. Uh, when Texas Tech has the ball, uh, they have the 20th S and P plus offense where Kansas State has 17th. Uh, and the Kansas State defense is 37th. Um, they are led in tackles by linebacker Austin Moore. Uh, not that big of a guy, 6'1", 220. Uh, he's got 30, only 30 total tackles, 19 solo in a sack. Um, next up is a defensive back, Kobe Savage, 26 tackles. And because I like to point it out, uh, behind them in terms of leaders for tackles, it's a safety a corner who is likely out this week, another corner, sorry, another safety, and then their next linebacker is sixth total. So one, two, three, four, five, six. There are two linebackers. Our first and sixth on the team in tackles. That's not great for them. Um, It's even worse when you look at their defensive backs, especially corner depth. They are churning through corners like crazy because of health issues. Will, uh, Will Lee, uh, was one of their starters is going to be out this week, likely out in the corner. Uh, Jacob Parrish will be day to day. Are you back? Sorry. I was, I was gone for half a second. Um, okay. I was just You're talking back. about their, uh, their corner depth. Um, anyways, so they, they've been playing and breaking in a bunch of new and young corners. Uh, they've had to move a safety over to corner. Um, so we know could, we, we want, we want Texas tech to, to run the ball, but like if they're struggling covering guys, uh, you may see some big plays pop up through the air this week. That's what I'm hoping. And I'm, I'm struggling to see how this defense is only averaging three yards per carry, uh, defending the ball i mean that that's really a fantastic stat but you know what i was able to see this week i mean they they were out of position quite a bit uh you know their linebackers would shoot the wrong gaps and then the running back would sneak out on the outside and and get a considerable gain um so i mean maybe they're just like you said they're shuffling some people around and kind of doing some things that they normally wouldn't do but I think Tech's going to be able to run the ball on this team 
despite this, what looks like a really daunting, you know, three yards per carry average that they're allowing. Yeah. And, and, and maybe some of this has to do with, uh, Kansas state, they've racked up already 14 sacks on the season. So that's through five games. Uh, so it's just about three sacks per game. Uh, yeah. th- their defensive ends are numbers one and two in terms of leaders there. Uh, Khalid Duke's got four, Nate Matlack's got three. Um, so when you're, you're, you're sacking the quarterback a bunch, uh, those are going to get tallied as, as a rush. Uh, and obviously those negative plays will help bring that, that number down, the rush per carry, yard per carry down. Um, but you were saying, you know, they're averaging allowing teams only 93 rushing yards per game, uh, three yards per carry. Uh, 259 through the air at 7.5 yards per attempt. Um, they're pretty good on third down, 32%, uh, and are giving up 21 points per game. Texas Tech throws for, for 220 a game at 6.3 yards per attempt. That's obviously trending down a little bit um, with Shuck's injury, with Morton's shoulder health, and with just Brooks absolutely beasting onto the scene. Uh, you've seen this number, the rush yards per game shoot up you're up to 179 per game now and 4.9 yards per carry. You're picking up 42% of your third downs, 71% of your fourth downs, putting up 34 points per game. Yeah, and that 71% is really high. It's top 10 or 11 in the country. You're tied with Texas State, which is kind of interesting. You've had the same exact attempts and conversions on fourth down as Texas State. But a lot of the teams above Texas Tech have not attempted nearly the same amount of, of fourth downs. And so, you know, if, I think Wyoming was at the very top, but they attempted like three or four. Whereas Tech's, I think, inching into 17 or 18 territory. So that 71% is is crazy. That's fantastic. And hopefully that'll continue to to stay there or, or even get better. Yeah, the um, I, I was gonna go look up the the fourth down stat. Well, I got when I got there, one of the first uh, <laughs> stats they they're showing in the rushing yards, the rushing leaders across the country. Michael Artage Brooks is number five in the country for rush yards this season. Oh my gosh, I haven't looked since I think it was right before the Houston game to kind of plead that we run the ball. Yeah, he's he was, he was eleven then. At 688, uh, Amani Bailey at TCU is fourth at 690, so two yards ahead of him. Audric Estemi from Notre Dame is two yards ahead of Bailey, so four yards ahead of Brooks at 692. There's a little bit of a gap. Jonathan Brooks at Texas, 726, and then the, the country's leader, Kamani Vidal at Troy, 835, which is just ridiculous. That is um, Halfway through the season, 835 rushing yards. Yeah. Uh, let me find fourth down conversion for the team. Uh, look who's number one, Wyoming. They've attempted three, and they are three for yeah. three. Uh, Army, uh, uh, they are 13 of 14. Uh, Penn State, 10 of 11. Yeah, there's a bunch of teams. Uh, Army's got 14. Uh, Ole Miss has 16. They're 12 of 16. They're at 13th. Um, this is organized by percentage. There's Texas Tech. Tied for 23rd with Texas State. Both have, we're both 12 of 17 on the season. Um, 
Boston College, 14 of 20, right around it. But looks like 20 is the high watermark in terms of attempts, and you're at 17th, so you've attempted twice as many. No, not twice as many. What am I saying? Um, three fewer than the, the, the leader, Boston College. And they're, they're converting 70% of their <laughs> attempts too, so they're pretty good. If you looked at uh, Stats of War uh, and the CFB graphs preview, you'll see, as opposed to last week when Baylor had a lot of red, Kansas State's got a lot of blue uh, and a lot of dark blue. Uh, the stats love them. Um, figuring to be a pretty close game, uh, this model gives the Wildcats a 56.5% chance to win this one with Texas Tech at 435 um, but a very narrow margin. Um, Kansas State scoring 32.7, Texas Tech scoring 30.2. So um, you look at the line right now, Texas Tech, at least last time I checked, was a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, so gear up for a close game. Uh, if Will Howard's going to throw it to you, you got to capitalize. You got to... Um, if this is the game that you're going to out-Kansas State somebody... It's got to be Kansas State. <laughs> you got to out Kansas State, Kansas State. Um, but that's been that's been what you've been doing the past couple of weeks. Uh, you've been leaning on the run. Uh, you've been having success on early downs instead of short third downs, uh, throwing it when you need to, uh, being sound defensively, being special on special teams. Um, so, Michael, I, I I think it'll be a close game over. Uh, Point total for this game is set at 56 and a half. That feels a little high for these two defenses. So I'm yes. going to take the under uh, and I'm going to say something like 28, 24. And I'll say whoever wins the turnover battle is who's going to end up. I'm gonna I'm gonna say 2724. Give me some field oh, goals. Oh man, that's that's really close to what I had. I came up with kind of a weird score because I feel like this is gonna be a weird game. So I've got Texas Tech winning 27-22. Okay. And just to be a little bit different, to not have the same point as you, I think I'm gonna change that to 26. That would be a weird score, 26-22. 26 to 22. I'm not even sure how that would happen. I think it's just going to be that close. There might be some two-point attempts that don't make it. Uh, being held to some field goals that you would rather have not been held to. But, but I, I really came in thinking I would I just I just couldn't pick tech to lose two weeks in a row because I picked them to lose in Baylor and not only did they not lose they dominated it from start to finish yeah even man. though even when the scoreboard wasn't showing it at halftime they absolutely dominated the game from the from the go so I'm going to respect that and not be a pink raider and have the fan base on our side. They'll be in town. They'll be ready. They'll be rejuvenated because they got to see a sounding defeat against Houston. They got to see a Baylor team just get manhandled in Waco. And they are 
It's homecoming. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Let's go. Homecoming. Tech's going to win, but but yeah, I'm taking the under as well because the under did hit last week despite Tech, uh, you know, scoring the majority of the points. It's still, I think the total was 55 or something or 54, and it was 53. Like they knew what was going to happen. Yeah, um, it's kind of weird. Okay, since you brought the point total in uh, Texas Tech, I, I want to get your 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 thoughts on that last possession Texas Tech had where they nailed the ball down. Victory formation inside the 10. Like, I, I was listening to uh, to the Gauchos, and I was I was really, like, I, I got fired up. Let's listen to Kyle explain it. Because when we had that big return uh, right there after the, the, the last punt, and I was like, let's just let's run it in here. Let's run up the score a little bit. I don't think Baylor intentionally tried to run it up last season because some of those were, were pick sixes. Um, and you just, you legitimately just couldn't stop anything last year. Um, so the opportunity presented itself. You could have done the same thing. Um, but I liked Kyle's perspective. Like it may have been even more disrespectful with everybody <laughs> in the stadium, knowing that you could have ran Taj Brooks three or four more times and put up another touchdown, but more disrespectful with two plus minutes left on the clock inside their own 10 yard line to victory formation. Neil, Neil the clock out. Yeah, I could see where as soon as you started saying, I could see where that was headed. And I was like, yeah, that probably would, depending on how you look at it. You know, I think that, yeah, the line ended at 59 and a half. And so they would have had to score a touchdown to hit the over. But um, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I I feel like tech proved that they, that was what a lot of, a lot of folks were clamoring about and wanting to see is we need to see this team finish off somebody. We need to see this team have a cutthroat mentality and put their foot on their throats and whatever, you know, you did other all phrases you can come up with. You did. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, it didn't really look like it on the scoreboard until, you know, fourth quarter, but it's absolutely what it was. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not. I'm not picking a winner. I think it'll come down to who plays more sound, fundamental football and who takes care of the ball. Uh, I, I'm, I think it'll be a pretty close game, low scoring. Um, you'll need things to go your way to win this one. I'm not. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. to get out of that. Kansas State's a tough team. They're disciplined, uh, even though they're struggling a little bit on on, on defense. They've got. Some, they've had some health issues. Um, it's just, it's difficult to look at that team like, no, nah, yeah, you're, you're going to win this game. Yeah. The the team you saw playing Stillwater is probably not the team that's going to show up in Lubbock. But I would love for that to happen. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine. All right, let's uh, let's do a quick whip around the Big 12. Uh, somehow, West Virginia is only a three-point favorite coming into Houston this weekend. Uh, another 6 p.m. game on FS1. Is that right? Both? Us and West Virginia on FS1 at 6 p.m.? Well, theirs is Thursday. Thursday. Oh, my gosh. If I had read the whole line, I would have seen that. Thursday night, 6 p.m. FS1. Um, Both West Virginia and Houston were on buys this past week. Um, West Virginia riding a five-game win streak, four-game win streak. I can count. Um, Duquesne, Pitt, Tech, and TCU. Uh, Whereas... Houston's been a little, little down 
They are two and three uh, with their victories over UTSA and Sam Houston. Um, in a game that like is growing interest wise in my mind, Iowa state at Cincinnati. Really? Iowa state's figuring something out, man. I don't know what it is. I know that. Well, I, I started looking at the big 12 standings cause I was prepared to make fun of them and everything, but they are a, a three and three team who's two and one in conference play. Just like Texas tech, just like, <laughs> just like our beloved red Raiders. Uh, and they got there by beating what, uh, Oklahoma state. They got blown out in Norman, which tends to happen. It happens. It happens. And then uh, they came home and defended home turf versus TCU. Now they, they did it because uh, Chandler Morris got hurt and TCU had to drink a little bit of that own, their own medicine there, taking out the opposing quarterback. But um, Cincinnati was off this past weekend. Uh, they are riding a three game losing streak. They lost in overtime to Miami, Miami of Ohio lost, not as bad, but lost versus Oklahoma. And then a one touchdown loss in Provo at BYU. Uh, but Cincinnati here is the five and a half point favorite. I have no idea how this game's going to go, but I would absolutely take Iowa state plus five and a half. Agreed. Which sounds so bizarre. Oh, I, I, we didn't, we didn't I, I didn't pick the other one. Uh, give me West Virginia minus three. I would, uh, yeah, okay. I'd take, I'd take the nears. All right. BYU at TCU. Uh, TCU is home five and a half point favorite two thirty Saturday afternoon on the big ESPN. Uh, BYU was off this past weekend, um, but they only loss is that at Kansas uh, so they're one and one in Big Twelve play. TCU, uh, they are three and three, uh, but they are zero and two in conference play. They lost to West Virginia and lost Iowa State, um, and well, maybe without Chandler Morris. Oh, there's Houston. Yep, they're one and two in conference play. So, um, give me BYU to cover. I don't know if they're going to win, but give me BYU to cover this one. I think so too. I. I think two thirty in Fort Worth is going to be pretty sparse. Yeah. Pretty sparse. It, it'll be it'll be too hot, or the 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 fair forty five miles away is, is in town or something, and they're <laughs> complaining about it. Um, which I'm not disparaging the state fair; it's fantastic. I wish I was going, but TC will find a way to, to, to complain about it. And then Kansas in Stillwater, three and a half point favorite. Uh, against the Pokes, 2.30 FS1 Saturday afternoon. Um, I don't believe in Oklahoma State yet. I do believe in Kansas. Give me Kansas to win and to cover. Yeah, I know that we've agreed on every pick, but I'm with you there. They they took it to UCF bad this past weekend. Kansas did 51-22. Oh, to 22. gosh. And yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the instant reaction, but just talk about dominating performance. That was maybe the most dominating of the week that I saw. Yep. Especially when it comes to running the ball. Just out, outrageous. And then you got four teams off this weekend. Oklahoma, Texas, UCF, and Baylor. Texas Tech will get their bye week um, in two weeks. 
to get you ready for that uh, November 2nd Thursday night game versus TCU. Got to get through Kansas State and BYU first. That is correct. Alrighty, so I am still three and three. I'm still magically perfectly aligned with Texas Tech on our win records. Michael, you are four and two. We both picked a win this past weekend. Um, preseason, I picked a win versus Kansas State. It's not impossible. Uh, Michael picked a loss. Yeah, not great. We'll see how that all shakes out. If I were to win, uh, I would pull even with Michael. We'd go four and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Michael wins, takes a commanding five and two to a three and four lead. But I don't want to win because that means Tech would have lost. Yeah, that's okay. We both pick the loss against BYU next weekend, though. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Fix that one. Uh, with the way that they played in Waco, I may be softening on the how they play on the road. Yeah, I but, I am yeah. a little bit. I am a little bit. I had to see it first, and I think we might have seen it. So and hopefully, even though Baylor may be down this year, you can continue to build on that with a better BYU team. Uh, but we'll get to that next week. Um, obviously, we've got tonight's preview. We'll have instant reaction Saturday evening before we get to our BYU preview next week. Michael, basketball. Big 12, but not Big 12 basketball. College basketball. Tipping off sooner than you think. I know. I thought it was worth discussing because we're just going to look up and it's going to be late October. So, guys, get ready. I haven't seen television, televised details on uh, the opener, but the opener is, of course, the Compete for Cause exhibition game in Denton. On October 29th, that's a Sunday, Tech will play Texas A&M. So there will be basketball in October this year. I'm sure there will be some form of way to stream it, especially with, uh, you know, A&M's a decent-sized little team. So interestingly enough, three of the first four games Tech plays will be against some form of a Texas A&M. Yep. So after that October 29th Sunday, get ready. Three home openers, Wednesday, November 8th versus Texas A&M Commerce, Sunday, the 12th versus San Jose State, and then Thursday, the 16th versus A&M Corpus Christi. So you knock out three different A&M teams before traveling to the battle for Atlantis, where you will play uh, Villanova in game one, but then the bracket, that bracket's just all over the place, but teams... Within the bracket at the tournament are Arkansas, Memphis, Michigan, North Carolina, Northern Iowa, and Stanford. So a, a pretty good group of teams there, and uh, hopefully a, a little bit better, a little bit better trip than the Maui Invitational last year. Yeah. Um, so I know I know that first one is an exhibition game. But it strikes me strange, Michael, that two of these first four are on Sunday. The men typically don't play on Sundays. That's been a like a like it's been women like the women's schedule is on Sundays. I wonder if it has. I, I'm un, I'm unsure if it's just maybe they think they'll get some more eyes since football is. Tex played football on Saturday, 
but but yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I feel like a Monday would be just as useful, um, especially in Lubbock. But maybe they think they'll have more folks show up on a Sunday in Denton to to come see the Red Raiders, and, and they might. Yeah, because if they played on on the eleventh, that is also the UCF football game. Um, so I probably not going to get fans at both, and you don't want to split them. Um. So. Well, I and I think it. the there are two games in the compete for cause classic. So maybe that's part of the lure is you know you just kind of go there and watch two basketball games because North Texas and Sam Houston will will be playing as well. And I'm not sure who plays first or, or what, but yeah, the main thing I just wanted to everybody to know is, man, there will be tech basketball this month. Yep. And it, and if, yeah, if we don't start talking about it now, we're just going to look up and be eating Halloween candy and going, Holy crap. Was we there got, a game last night? We got to put <laughs> a, there an exhibition. <laughs> we got to start putting a preview together for Texas A&M commerce. Cause that is less than a month away. November 8th. Today's the 10th. October 10th, my favorite month, October. It's the best time of year, Michael. It absolutely is. Um, so, all right, let's wrap this thing up with what do we learn? What do you say? Okay. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I don't know either, Michael. What do we learn? I learned that life is always about the simple things. I'm a simple man. I have simple tastes. And recently, I had two of my favorite things, a Costco Kirkland's hot dog <laughs> and fresh kettle corn out at the corn maze over at Adeldew Farms, just east of Shallow Water. We're going to the, the corn maze tomorrow. I'm still riding that high. We, we actually went on Sunday night because our little one didn't have school Monday. Same. Goals day or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And we thought, man, it's going to be packed because there's probably a lot of, a lot of families in the same boat. But surprisingly, not all of so, Cooper ISD, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but surprisingly, not. It was there was a, I mean, plenty of people there. It was it was a great amount of people, but it wasn't like going on a Saturday at, you know, at two o'clock where it's just wild. But yeah, Sunday evening. That's kind of a pro tip. We may try to continue doing that from now on, but. Um, the kettle corn, man, it's, I swear it's strategically done. It's just wafting mm-hmm. kind of wherever you are, you smell it. And it's something my wife really loves. And so she was definitely going to get, we were going to get some no matter what. And, uh, yeah, I, I just stood around and just ate kettle corn for what felt like an hour before we left. It's wonderful. But yeah, the Costco hot dog. Dollar fifty hot dog, man. Probably like the fifth time I've talked about it on this podcast. It's impossible to beat. Get the sesame seed bun. You've got the get your condiments. They always have such a nice. They they do such a nice job with the condiments there. They don't have the onions anymore, thanks to COVID. But that wasn't really a big deal to me. What do you put? On, what do you put on your dog, Spencer? Ketchup and mustard. Ketchup and mustard. Uh-huh. Maybe if I'm feeling up to it, a little bit of dill relish. I'm a, I'm a mustard relish guy myself. I like. I if like the relish that. is not there. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm okay without the relish. I'm. I could go back and forth whether or not it was just mustard or just 
ketchup. I like them both. I like them both separately. I like them together. Um, so I'm not, I'm not one that's going to like load it up with, you know, Chicago style dog with all the kinds of stuff on it. But. Oh, I'll absolutely eat one of those, but I'm not going to take the time to figure out what I want to put on one. Like if, if some, if there's some crazy, like if, if I went to some place that had a bunch of crazy stuff, I, I think I would still do mustard and relish or um, like chili and red onion or something like that. And hmm. probably mustard too, because mustard and chili. Mustard and chili goes really well together. That goes pretty well together. Mustard and sloppy joe goes well together. And my wife thinks that's weird, but I don't care. Have I talked I about put mustard and pickles on my sloppy joes? And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like I'm having a sloppy joe. I like to put uh, pickles on my barbecue sandwiches, which I know it's not that, not that strange, but it's pretty good. Because usually if it's, you're getting like it's a- It's excellent. If you're getting a barbecue sandwich, it's, there's, there's, it's all the same texture. It's all pulled pork or chopped brisket. Um, there's probably some sauce in there. The bun, it's all, it's all soft. You need a little bit of a crunch, a little bit of a bite, plus the yeah. Anyways, a um, little acidity. Yeah, it's good for you. So our friend Scott at Bosco's Boys pointed one of their their listeners our direction for some recommendations as he's coming into town for the game. Michael, I don't know if you've seen the tweet. I'm going to share it with you. What I told him. Tell me where I went wrong. What you would have changed. Okay. So he said, "What are some must stop places in Lubbock?" Um. And I said, depends on how old you are and what kind of experience you're looking for. Because another tech podcast was tagged, said um, pointed him to go to Chimmy's. I was like, that's yeah. fine if that's your crowd and your environment. But say if I if I were traveling to Manhattan, Chimmy's would not be the kind of environment I'd be looking for. So. Here's what I said. And some of them I was trying to keep stadium adjacent. But mm-hmm. I said Spanky's. Okay. Dirks. Caprock. Two Docks. West Table. Triple J. The wild card here, Kegels, because it is an experience all on its own. It's way out there. So is Johnny Fabs. If you've been yeah. there yet, I haven't been there yet. And then I gave him a, a barbecue category. And I said, any of these three, you can't miss. Evie Mays, Rojino, The Shack. Now, obviously, there are more barbecue options. There are more steakhouse options. There are more brewery options. But if you were to direct somebody for their first time coming into Lubbock, as, especially as an opposing fan, I wasn't going to say, like, you should go to main event. You should go to <laughs> Top Golf. You should go to four. No. Those aren't bad places, but like if you're coming in to experience Lubbock on game day, you should probably stay around the area, around the stadium. And there are Lubbock originals down there that I think would be a valuable experience. I don't, I don't really see anywhere you quote unquote went wrong. I, I, I don't have the, the two that I would have been most the two that first came into my head were Caprock and Two Docks, and you covered that. 
Would you have included? So I feel like he's got a ton of options. Oh yeah, for sure. Would you have included uh, brewery LBK? Well, I thought I found it weird that you specifically mentioned West Table, but not brewery LBK because they're in the same building. Well, I I'm I'm not a brewery person. I I couldn't tell you. The other um, the other one that of course I haven't been there in forever, uh, but where the old Garskis is. Oh. Um, Beer house. Beer house. That's, I mean, that was, I I haven't been since it opened pretty much. And that's probably more for a younger, it probably skews younger than I am at least. But that's, that's a pretty cool place. That's pretty close by. They've got a, Mm -hmm. got some good outdoor stuff going. They might even have like a Oktoberfest thing this weekend. I'm not positive if that, if they do or not, but I think there's some Oktoberfest stuff happening this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, but, but, but you're absolutely right. Like Chimmy's and, and beer house might be skewed more to younger than, than myself or younger at heart than myself. I've always been an old soul anyway. Yeah. But two docs, Caprock, man, those are, those are hard to, uh, you know, those are hard to pass up. Spanky's is a staple. And I, I think you, I think you nailed it. You well, did a great job. Appreciate. It. I, I I tried to include a, a brewer on there because I, I know, like, answering from the podcast account, like I, I should cover that because I know you're a brewery man, but I don't have the experience. I don't. That's not. That's not my my crowd. Um, but I I had forgotten about brewery LBK until I actually heard Scott answered on on his podcast when he said when he was here he went to a brewery LBK and he was, um, he was actually comparing it to a, a brewery they have in Manhattan, but they that's um that one is a sponsor of his show. So he's like, Oh, it wasn't Manhattan brew house, but <laughs> I've got one. I've okay. got one to add good line. All right. Good line might be pound for pound, the best brewery in town. I feel like everything I've had from them has been consistently great. And there's been a few hit or misses at the other places. I'm not going to get into details. doesn't matter. I'm still going to go there. I'm still going to go to all of them, but good line has just, knocked it out of the park and they are close to capital pizza, which is another good one to hit up mm-hmm. and good line usually has a food truck around. So that would be my other recommendation is if, if you, if people are still listening, you might go to good line, you can hit up capital pizza. I think you can even order capital pizza while you're at good line and they'll bring it to you. And there's almost always a good food truck there. And if it's Nirvana burger joint, you're going to have a really good burger and some fresh cut fries. Like they, as you order it, there's a guy back there with that hand machine mm. and he's slamming a potato into it and getting you your fresh cut fries right there. It's awesome. I drove by smash burger, drove by Chris Dockey's today. I was like, ah, I want to go back. So. I know I need to hit up Tom and Bingo's and go to their new menu. Try their, they've got that, uh, they've kind of pared down their lunch menu. Or just their menu altogether. I need to go. Yeah. Show them some love. All right. That'll do it for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. Um, predicting a close, tight game with the Wildcats this weekend should be a good one. Take care of the ball. Uh, everybody stay healthy. And you could pull it out. Uh, our Rangers are on to the ALCS. So the celebration videos, tweets are chef kiss for Michael. I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. 
Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.